but I don't know about y'all, but I am so happy that all you people have come back. <laughs> uh, it's a, uh, it, it, it looks so much better today than <laughs> last week. There you go. So we're, we're, we're back up to our, our normal use, our normal numbers. And so uh, this is, I, there's no better way to kick off a new, brand new year than to be in God's house. Amen. So uh, I, I've got a message today that I want to share with you. You know, normally I start series and, and do all that. We just finished a series, and you'd think I'd be starting a new series, but uh, not till next week. We will start a new series next week. Uh, the series that I'm going to be starting, I'm going to be doing a series on the book of Matthew. And we'll be going through the book of Matthew from the beginning all the way to the ending. We will end that series. It's going to be a 14-week series. I, I normally don't do series this long, but I wanted to do a series on one of the Gospels. And so I chose Matthew. I know uh, we've gone through others, but Matthew gives a, a, a picture of Jesus as the Messiah. And I want us to look at that, and we're going to get Matthew's point of view. But it's going to take us 14 weeks. It's going to lead all the way up to Easter. And you say, well, that's a long ways away. Honestly, Easter always comes pretty quick. But uh, Easter is the second week of April. And so that's how long this series is going to be. But it's going to be a great series on the book of Matthew, so be here for that series. Let me encourage you. It's a new year. Let me encourage you to start reading the Bible again. And some of you read with us last year. We read it all the way through. Let me encourage you to read the Bible through. Or if you say that's more than I think I can handle, let me encourage you to start with Matthew, since we're going to be doing a series on Matthew and so start at Matthew chapter 1 and just begin reading Matthew. Uh, but we'll be in the book of Matthew for 14 weeks. So it's going to be a great, great series, and I'm looking forward to uh, preaching it. Let me ask you a question this morning. Do you remember the song that we used to sing when we were kids? This little light of mine. Anybody remember that? I'm going to let it shine. Well, good. Keep those lyrics in mind. We're going to sing it here in a little bit. So, um but you remember, we'd say things like, don't let Satan blow it out. I'm going to let it shine or going to let it shine till Jesus comes. Uh, I'm going to let it shine. And we'd say all these, hide it under a bushel. No, remember that? I'm going to let it shine. So the question is, what is it about light? What is it about light? We like the light. It allows us to see. It allows us to cancel darkness. You know, the first time we hear about light is in Genesis chapter 1. Verse 3 and 4, it says, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from darkness. God tells us that light is good. John describes Jesus Christ as the light. In John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, he says, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Verse 5 says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Then go down to verse 9 uh, of John chapter 1. He says, The true light that gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. It is light that gives us hope. Amen? Have you ever been traveling down a road, you know, especially overnight trips? 
and you're traveling east and you begin to see that sun coming up over the horizon. You're thinking, man, a new day is dawning, right? Something new, something exciting. What does light represent? Light represents something good is happening. Something good is fixing to take place. If you've ever been in a tunnel or a dark uh, cave, if you've ever gone caving or anything like that, and you're walking through there, and all of a sudden you can see up ahead, you can see what? A light, right? You know that you're getting close to the exit. You know that it won't be long before you'll be able to, to get out in to the light, but we get excited for that light. Today, it's January 1st. Did y'all know that? Did everybody know that? It's January 1st. It's the new year, and when the light came up this morning, no matter what 2022 brought you, there is hope today because today starts a new year, amen? Today is new beginnings. Today is new hope. There is hope once again that a new year will bring something new and something exciting. No matter what happened in 22, today starts something new. Amen? Light, it gives us hope. And today, I want to read my text to you. It's found in the book of 1 Samuel. We're going to read from chapter 3. 1 Samuel chapter 3. 1 Samuel, for those of you who may not know exactly where it's at, it's towards the beginning of the New Testament. Uh, and I'm going to read to you the beginning of Samuel's life and ministry. But before I read my text, I'll give you some time. 1 Samuel chapter 3 is, my, is where my text will be. I'm going to introduce you to Samuel's mother. Now Samuel's mother's name is Hannah, and she's very significant in Samuel's life because she prayed earnestly for this child, uh, it says in verse 10 of chapter 1, it says, In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. She was unable to have children, and she wanted children so much that she would go to the temple to pray. And Eli, the priest, would see her praying, and he thought that she was drunk. He thought, man, there's something wrong with this woman. She's not right, you know. And so he confronted her, and he realized that she was just overwhelmed with this burden that she had been praying for. So Eli encourages her, and Hannah's appearance changed. There was something, there was a change that took place. Uh, verse 18 says, of chapter 1, says, she said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. And then she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. You see, Hannah wanted a child so bad that one time when she was praying, she made a promise with God, if you will give me a son, then I will give him back to you for your service. So God answered Hannah's prayer and he gave her a son that she would name Samuel, which means name of God. So after Samuel was old enough, Hannah kept her promise, and she brought him to Eli the priest, and Samuel would become uh, the last judge of Israel and the first prophet. But I want to look at his early, uh, the early time in his life that's found in chapter 3. So look at uh, 1 Samuel chapter 3, and I'm going to begin at verse 1. It says this, The boy Samuel ministered, before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. 
One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down at his usual place. I want you to hear verse 3 for me, okay? The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Verse 4. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and laid down. Again the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. My son Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not know yet uh, that he did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you call me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. Look at verse 9. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other time, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. And look at verse 11. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. I want to say something this morning. I believe that God is about to do something. Amen? I believe that He's about to shake nations. I believe that He's about to wake up people that, haven't, that have been asleep for a long time. And it's time that we, the church, come alive. Amen? So I want you to understand something about this story. The ark of God, you see, it was kept in the most holy place, the innermost room of the tabernacle where only the high priest could enter once a year. And in front of the most holy place, a small room where the other sacred furniture of the tabernacle was kept, such as the altar of incense, the bread of presence, and the lampstand. Just outside the holy place was a court with small rooms where the priests were to stay. Samuel probably slept here with the other priests, only a few yards away from the ark. Remember what I told you to listen to. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 3. What did it say? The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Meaning... Samuel probably slept close to the light. Amen? I, I, I think we can agree with that. Some commentaries even say that Samuel's job might have been to keep the place tidy. The lamp of God was to burn all throughout the night. It might have even been Samuel's job to make sure the light never went out all night. But I also believe that this may be a reference to Samuel as well. There was a great darkness that characterized Shiloh where they were at at that time. And I believe that God had found a glimmer of hope in Samuel. Amen? You would have to read this story to understand that Eli's household was not that great. Do you hear me? 
There was something wrong in Eli's house. There was something that wasn't going right. And yet Samuel was here. He was starting to receive his calling at this moment, at this time. And he was starting to receive something great and something wonderful from God that was going to change the course of his future and the future of Israel. Samuel was starting to receive God's light. And I believe that that light represents the hope that Samuel would begin a ministry that would light the path for generations to come. God would speak to Samuel that night, and it was the beginning of a ministry that would change Israel's history. And as I told you before, Samuel was the last of the judges and the first of the prophets, but he also would anoint Saul and anoint David as king. And through the ministry of Samuel, the spiritual life of the Israelites it improved during his ministry. In inaugurating the monarchy, he led the people from tribal disunity to national solidarity. He appointed gatekeepers to the tent of meeting. He organized observance of the Passover so memorably that it was still spoken about many, many years ago in Josiah's day. Samuel was also a great man of prayer. Psalm 99 verse 6 says, Moses and Aaron were among his priests. Samuel was among those who called on his name. They called on the Lord and he answered them. So that night, I want you to understand, when God spoke to Samuel, I believe that this flame here mentioned in Scripture for us to fully understand that God saw hope in the new priest that was being raised up and that night God called Samuel to something greater. Amen? And I believe that just like he called Samuel to something greater, he's calling us as a church to something greater. So what does light mean to you? Does it allow you to see in the darkness? Does it give you hope that there is something greater ahead? Does it open your world up to new possibilities? It did for Israel that night, amen? There was something about light. There was a glimmer of hope. God saw hope in Samuel. God, in essence, was telling Samuel to keep the flame burning. Don't let the flame go out. Where there is light, there is hope. Amen? And you can keep the light burning as well. In essence, a new year is a time to start over. We get to begin again. Anything that has happened in the past is in the past. And today is a new day, a new year, and a new beginning. Amen? That's something to rejoice about, isn't it? That's something to be glad about. And sometimes it's hard to keep that flame going, isn't it? Sometimes we've let the flame extinguish in the past. But here's the good thing. Today it begins again. We can let that flame shine brighter and brighter than it ever has before. Don't let the flame go out. So how... Do we keep the fire from going out? Anyone will tell you that there are three things a fire needs to keep burning. Number one, it needs a heat source. A fire can't start or spread unless there is a significant amount of heat involved. And that's why firefighters begin by putting water on a fire and why most fire extinguishers are filled with a cooling agent. Also, firefighters turn off the power to a building that is on fire to take away the heat source. The second thing a fire needs, it needs fuel. A fuel needs a or a fire needs a fuel source. That 
fuel source could be anything flammable like paper, food, fabric, chemicals, or uh, not food, sorry, and so on. Some of y'all may burn food, I don't know. But if you remove the fuel from the fire, then it will go out. The third thing a fire needs, it needs oxygen. This is one of the most important factors because oxygen is everywhere. A fire needs oxygen in order to ignite and continue to burn. You take away the oxygen and you take away the fire. Just like a fire needs these elements to continue to burn, we need uh, those things in our spiritual life so that the flame is not extinguished. But they look just a little bit different. <laughs> Number one, you need the Holy Spirit. Amen? The first thing, or, or better stated, uh, person that we need as a part of our life here on this earth to keep the flame burning in us is the Holy Spirit. We need a relationship to understand we don't just need to hear about it. We don't just need to talk about it. We don't need to just listen about it. We need a relationship with the Holy Spirit. We talk a lot about having a relationship with God and having a relationship with Jesus, but how often do we talk about the relationship that we need with the Holy Spirit? A lot of times we just think, well, the Holy Spirit, that's kind of some crazy stuff. That's some kind of weird stuff. That's some kind of things that make Pentecostals do nut stuff. But that's not true. We need a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Jesus told us that it is better if he goes away. That's the words that Jesus spoke. Jesus said that. Why is it that he said that? It's because he was sending us someone better. Jesus was in human form. That means that even though he was God, he was still human and could only be in one place at a time. But when he sent the Holy Spirit to be with us, after he ascended into heaven, the Holy Spirit is with us everywhere. And you and I need to develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit. We need to learn to know the Holy Spirit intimately. Amen? We need that relationship to flourish so that we can do things greater than what Jesus did. Jesus tells us that we will do greater things. John 14, 12. Very truly, I tell you, whoever did that say just a few people? No. It says what? Whoever. That means all of us, right? Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And these are, this is the words, these are written in red. These are the words that Jesus spoke. And they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Jesus said it, I didn't. Do you hear what I'm saying? We can do even better things, greater things than what Jesus did. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. He gives us a power that helps us to keep going. Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So we need a relationship with the Holy Spirit to grow. We need more of him in our life. Amen? John the Baptist says, I must decrease. He must increase. I need more of him in my life. I need him to be full in my life. The second thing that you need, you need a consistent prayer life. If you're not praying, today's the day to start. Amen? You get, you get the first day of the year to start a whole new 
walk and view of life. Amen? How awesome is that? Every single year we get to start over. <laughs> Isn't that great? A consistent prayer life, it's the fuel that keeps us going. Amen? How many know your car needs fuel, right? You can't go nowhere if you don't put fuel in your car. Same thing goes. You can't continue on this life if you don't have a consistent prayer life. A consistent prayer life is what keeps us going. If I stop talking to my wife, would what would happen to our relationship? It's going to fade, right? So if so if uh, so if that happens with her, then what do you think will happen if I stop talking to God, right? The flame will go out, and my relationship with God will fade. You can't make it in this life without talking to God. James five sixteen says, therefore. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Prayer changes things and don't just pray when you need something. Amen? Keep a consistent prayer life with God. Keep an open line of communication with our Father who is in heaven. Amen? And the third thing that we need is we need the Word of God. Just like the fire needs oxygen, you need the breath of God working in your life. The breath of God is the Word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 6 says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. You know, Paul's telling us here that all scriptures were inspired by God. Now, the words of the Bible, they came from God and were written by men. Peter affirms this in 2 Peter verse 1, verse, or chapter 1, verse 21. He says, For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So I want you to listen to me. This word that we read, the word of God, the Bible, it is important for you to read and understand. It's not just a collection of stories, fables, myths, or merely human ideas about God. It is not a human book. Through the Holy Spirit, God revealed His person and plan to certain believers who wrote down His message for His people. This process is known as inspiration. You ever get some inspiration? Anybody? I got some inspiration the other day, you know. You sit there and you're doing your life, you're going about your life, and all of a sudden you said, whoo, I got some inspiration. I feel pretty good. I, I'm, I'm going to write this down. These men that wrote this book were inspired by God to write this work down. And although, although the writers used their own minds, their own talents, their own language, their own style, they wrote what God wanted them to write. You hear me? Scripture was completely trustworthy because God was in control of its writing. You need the Word of God in your life. Amen? Hebrews tells us how powerful the Word of God is. In chapter 4, verse 12, it says, For the Word of God, look, I love this word, is alive. Amen? Alive. And not only is it alive, but it says it's active. It's active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Let me say it again. You need God's Word in your life. Amen? 
You've got to have God's Word in your life. So here's what I want us to do today. Each of you were given a candle, correct? Does anybody not have a candle? Or for the kids, we got you some glow sticks. Everyone's got one, right? Here's what I want us to do. If we can, if you can, if we can come around to the front the best we can. If you can't, if you need to stay at your seat, that's fine, I understand. But if we can come and gather as a church family, could somebody help me and get the lights? Huh? Yeah, we can leave these on. This is... Here, we'll light them in just a second. Hold on. So here's what I want you to do. I want a couple of you to come and gather up your... You can get some light from me. I'm close to the edge. And then I want you to pass your light around. Let's go to all the candles are lit. Everybody got a light? I'm going to read you a charge this morning. It's so pretty. I love this. This is my favorite thing, y'all. This flame that you're holding in your hand, it represents your Christian walk. There's going to be temptations. There's going to be falsehoods. There's going to be doubts. There will be fears. And there's going to be all kinds of things that's going to try to put out your flame. But I want to say to you, develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit in 2023. Have a constant prayer life in 2023. And make sure that you get in God's Word. Make Scripture a part of your life in 2023. It's so important that you make those things a part of your life. Amen? Can we sing, I know, it's an old song, it's a child song, but I think it has some very important meaning.
Can we sing this little light of mine? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Let it shine till Jesus comes. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine till Jesus comes. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine till Jesus comes. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let me pray. God, I just thank you that we could be here in this house. God, I thank you that we could come together to start off this new year, a new life, a new start, a new hope, a new beginning, fresh newness. And God, I just believe that this is going to be one of the greatest years that Cliff Terrace Church has ever seen. God, I believe this is going to be one of the greatest years that the people of this church has ever seen. God, I, I truly believe that this is going to be one of the greatest years that our world has ever seen. I truly believe, God, that you're about to do some amazing things. You're about to shake this nation. You're about to shake this world. And we're going to see a move that we've never seen before. And God, I pray that it starts here with us, God. I pray that we can see your power and your presence moving from this place, that you will go and you will touch and you will minister and you will speak to the hearts and lives of those that are here and that those in the, in the hearts and lives of those that are out there in the world, God. And I pray right now, God, that you help us to be the spark that starts the flame burning all over this world. And God, we give you praise and we give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Y'all can be seated and we'll turn some lights on so that you can find your seat. You can go ahead and turn your candle out. Uh, when you leave, you can just uh, take your candles. You can either put them on that table back there, or you can, we're not leaving yet, but, or you can put them in your seats and we'll pick them up. Either way. I have just a couple announcements that I want to give. I'm going to get a drink real quick. 